0: All right, how are we doing? Good, good, good. Real quick before we jump in, there's a couple things that I forgot. Um, Let me get to my notes at the very back because that's where I was gonna do it. So I'm just gonna do it up front so I don't forget. the, the ministry fair, what that'll do is that'll kind of be the kickoff and the start. Usually what we do is we have sign ups and different things like that to try to encourage and to kind of re-up for the new coming year. That'll play, uh, that, that'll be the kickoff for that. And then the next few weeks, we'll have some of the sign up type ministries out in the lobby and halls and different areas like that. Um, and so for the ministry fair, what we're gonna do is we're gonna have childcare provided from three years old and up three years old and up uh, right over here in the the kid life room we'll have a a movie and some stuff like that we got some of the older youth that are going to hang out with them have some snacks for them and do that Um, so you can kind of mingle and look around and be able to uh, to interact some there Um, and then the second thing that I need to mention is uh, we've got some new shirts out in the lobby um, and those new shirts um, the the proceeds or the money that we make from those shirts are going to go to the start of a, a playground for our children so, hey man, I like that. Yeah, we get that. Um, that's, we love our kids. And so, yeah. Um, so we're going to, like I said, all the, all, and, and all the money, all the money that's from these shirts go, go to that. And one of the cool things is this, is there's some people that's got on board with this. And so we've got rubber mulch that's being donated. We've got um, some things like that happening. And so we just want to start to raise some money and try to, to get some cool stuff for our kids out here so they can play during VBS, during the fall, different things like that. So um, there, there's some different ones out there. So you can look and see. We've got some kid shirts as well. The cost, uh, for adults $10 for kids and like I said all of the proceeds will go to um, just our children's ministry and getting them a a little playground so they can can play and get get all their energy out because they need it don't they and every leader in kids uh, kids life and little life said amen good there you go Um, I don't know if I'm convinced of that amen Um, I just better see a lot of names on that list back there here in a little bit that's all I'm saying then Um, no here we go Um, so we are in a short series uh, over the next few weeks uh, where we're just looking at what we believe God wants us to be and do as as his church Uh, the the sole purpose and drive behind it is discipleship because it's so easy for us to get complacent it's so easy for us to get settled and kind of just stuck in a rut or a routine and and so we want to look hard at what we believe God has called his church to do and be and and so last week I, I made a statement and the statement was simply this is that it's not good enough just to tell us to do something once and that be it because if you've been around new life for any length of time, any period of time, you, you know that this is one of the, the driving forces behind everything that happens on the stage. It's one of the things that we visit often here. And it's because of that. It's because we can't just hear something once and expect to do it. And the illustration that I give you was with kids, right? Hey, buddy, put your shoes up. Buddy, put your shoes up. Brody, put your shoes up. Bennett. Oh, they're both doing it now. And, and like you can walk them over and physically show them. And still what happens three days later when they come in? goes wherever. And and the reality is this, we as adults, we're no different. We're no different. We hear something and we may do it for a little bit or we may hear it and kind of forget it by the time we uh, get out there or get uh, to the place where we need to engage in it or we may get complacent in it or we may just not want to do it. It may just be too difficult in our mind and so we just don't do it. And so I believe just we as a church, we need to be reminded. We need to be brought back and we need to look at and be realigned, refocused, set back up To what we believe that the church is about. And so, for us as a church, as a fellowship here, we believe that discipleship is so important. That's part of our vision. That's who we are. That's what we want to accomplish. And that's what we want to be all about as we seek to live out the Lord in this community. So our vision is to make disciples who make a difference. Make disciples who make a difference. And so last week, what we did is we just defined what a disciple was. We looked in the scriptures and we saw what Jesus did in Matthew 4 as he called some guys to follow him. And we just outlined from Matthew chapter 4 there uh, what it means to be a disciple. And so he says in Matthew 4, 19, he says to them, these guys that are, that are uh, out in their boat or at their boat, mending their nests, doing this, and he looks at them and he says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so in that verse, that's the very verse where we define what a disciple is. Follow me, he says. You've got to be a believer. You've got to be a Christ follower. You've got to cross from death to life. You have to be resurrected in order to be a a, a disciple of Jesus. You have to be a believer. So the first part that he invites them in to be a part of him, to follow me. And then what happens next is the second part of a disciple. Follow me and I will make you. A disciple is somebody who's being changed, the Holy Spirit working in us, the the presence of of Jesus in us, changing us, informing us, and shaping us into the image of Jesus. We're being changed, we're we're saved, we're a believer, we're following, and as we follow, God is, is shaping and molding us into the image of his son, so we're being changed. And then the third aspect in that verse is this, follow me and I will make you, we're being changed. What is he gonna make us? Fishers of men. So the third aspect of a disciple is someone who's on mission with Christ. Someone who is doing what Jesus has called them to do, what Jesus has asked the church to do. And so we ended last week by saying this and looking at this reality that there's two types of people in the church. Two types of people set in this place this morning. Those who need to be discipling, who need to engage other people, uh, and 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 invite them in, and I loved it because I was talking to somebody this week, and I heard a story of this um, th- this person that I was talking to. who's kind of I've been coming a little bit, but don't know a whole lot of people. And just out of the blue, at the end of the service, this guy comes up to him and looks at her husband and says, "Hey, I want your number. I want to disciple you." Don't know the guy, and he was kind of like, "Uh, okay." But I love that. I love the fact that he said, "Hey, man, God is moving in me, and I feel so convicted by what what the Word of God has said." that I want to reach out, that I want to try this, that I want to get engaged in this, and for the other guy to say, okay, here's my number. And we'll see what happens with it, what comes up, but to take that kind of action immediately as Christ presses upon your heart. to so the two types of people, those who need to be discipling and those who need to be discipled. And so this week, what I want us to do is I want to look at the difficulty of discipling. I want us to look at the difficulty that comes with making disciples. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And as you're turning there to 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, I just want to pray for us real fast, and then we'll jump into what God has got for us this morning. So 2 Timothy chapter 2. Father, I pray, Lord, you speak this morning. God, I pray you move. God, I pray you anoint this word god i pray that you just show up in a mighty way father we want to give you freedom your holy spirit as you see fit god i pray that there would be life change that takes place here this morning god i pray that i would hear more stories like i did this week i just want can we do life together can we engage can i get your number i would love to go eat lunch or sit down or get together just talk about jesus lord i pray father god that you would continue to do that work amongst the midst of this church these people. Jesus, help us to take serious, that serious. God, when we hear your beckoning call, we hear your command that we do it. So, Father, this morning is going to be tough, God, because discipleship's tough. Living life with people is tough. And so, God, I pray that your grace and mercy would be upon us, God, that you would press us, that you would challenge us, convict us, draw us, encourage us. Jesus, we thank you and we praise you in advance for what you're going to do in this church through your word that can last a lifetime. Which time we pray? Amen amen so we'll, we'll get to we'll get there to second uh, timothy here in a few minutes but uh, the christian life involves more than just simply following jesus by being his disciple it's more than that see jesus throughout his earthly ministry he gives us the call to discipleship and and, and i'm just going to read you a few verses real fast they'll be on the screen for you but i just want to read we'll be in second timothy but luke 14 starting in verse 26 says this if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father mother and wife and children brothers and sisters yes even his own life he cannot be my disciple you hear that if, if you don't, and the, the word hate there means to love less. So if you love any other earthly relationship more than you love Jesus, then you can't be his disciples, is what he says. He goes on in verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What Jesus is saying there is you've got to die to self, die to self, die to self. Take up your cross, you're dead to you, your wants, your desires, your longings. And then in verse 28, he says this, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see will begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with ten thousands to meet him who comes against him or with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends the delegation and asks for terms of peace." so therefore now what jesus is going to do is he's going to sum up everything he just says so therefore anyone of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple what jesus is saying is simply this is if he's not the greatest relationship person thing in your life and you can't be his disciple it just shows that you're not his disciple so see, it's, it's more than just following. Yes, there's a follow to about it, but there's more. Look at what else he says in, in Matthew 28, 19, a verse that we always look at, the verse that we always talk about, that we always get to. Uh, Matthew 28, 19, it says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So yes, there's this follow of it, but there's also action that's required from it. And so we live in a world, we live in a culture, we live in a, in a day where everything in life seems to be going in the direction other than life-on-life uh, relationship, life-on-life uh, disciple making. Everything goes against that in our culture, does it not? The social media craze, and, and hear me, I'm not against social media. I think it could be a good thing. I think God can use it if we'll let him redeem it, if we'll let him guide us and post what we need to post to bring him glory and honor. I'm not against social media, but what happens with social media? Doesn't it delude and doesn't it uh, cause us to, uh, to lose touch with reality? I mean, I mean, who in here this morning has hundreds of friends on social media? Yeah, I haven't did a check, but I mean, I'm in the thousands, Joe. You know, like, I, I mean, I've got, I've got some friends. But, but what is that? That's just a facade. Do I really think that that many people in my life are really my friends? No, some of them are just creeping they just want to see what I'm posting you know what you laugh because you're probably those people you know when was the last time you posted something I'm just I'm just in here I'm just I'm just a holy checker you know praying for that person that but what has that done that's caused us to lose touch with reality in relationship has it not relationship like this is great it's never messy it's super easy if we can like we can even sometimes ruffle some feathers and put like a little comment down there and post it. Just doing life together, man. That's not life together. This is I all, mean, this, this, is, this is just God given here in a moment. If you're not willing to say something to somebody to their face, don't do it on Facebook. You hear me? If you're not willing to love someone enough and walk with someone enough, don't post it on their page or in their comments. If you're not willing to do it to their face, love them enough to do it to their face if God calls you to do that they're your friend right that's what friendship should look like that's what relationships should look like that was free you can um you can thank me later um but but what I'm saying is simply this is, is that is that that culture and that world that we live in everything is doing is just driving us further away from the reality of what life on life looks like I mean, same thing with social media, groups. We've got groups upon groups upon groups we belong to. Clubs that we're in on social media that we never have to meet, we never have to uh, pay dues, we never have to uh, sacrifice anything, but we're in a group and we belong to a club, praise God. And what is that doing? It's just diluting and distracting us all the more from life on life. And so I just believe disciple making isn't rocket science. It's not rocket science. Uh, The vision is simple enough. What Jesus has said is simple enough. He, he's shown us and modeled for us what that looks like. I don't believe that we necessarily need more information. I feel like that we are educated far beyond our obedience sometimes. You know what I'm saying? We know the answers. We know the stuff. The problem is us living it out and doing it. If we just do what we're told, if we just be obedient to what Christ calls us to, I mean, I just believe this morning, if we were to take a poll, if we were to take a poll and ask the question, who wants to be making disciples like Jesus wants us to? I believe that they would be unanimous across the board. Yeah, absolutely, I want to. Yes, I want to. I'd even bet in some ways that we know some things about doing it, but the problem is this, we're just not. We may have the want to, but we don't have the obedience that follows that. And so I believe that we're honest. I believe if we just be honest with ourselves this morning in this place, is because we haven't yet been willing to embrace the cost. Because there's a great cost to making disciples. See, as a, as a kid, I mean, I wanted everything, right? I mean, you, you got kids, you know what I'm talking about. They want everything. You have, to, you have to stay away from the toy aisle anytime that you. And you can't even negotiate with them. You can't negotiate with those little bundles of joy. Yeah, buddy, we can just look, but we're not getting one. That, it never works out like that because you look like a crazy parent leaving the store if you do that. So you just have to avoid. Oh, the toy section is out today. Really? Yeah, I promise, bud. It's down, they're, re- they're redoing some stuff. Stop. I don't know, I just, you gotta make stuff up sometimes. I'm not saying lie, we don't lie. <laughs> you don't do that. What I'm saying is this, as a kid we wanted everything, right? As you get mine, mine, I need dad, I need, I need, need, please, 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 we just wanted dumb stuff. Why, because we're not aware of the cost. But we don't realize that when we go to the store, mom and dad, just, just swipe that card thing, dad. You can just do it, just, just swipe that card thing. You do it all the time? Yeah, buddy, but in order, that's got money on it. And you had to work for it. we have to do, it. and so you try to explain to them they don 't have a clue because kids they don 't understand. but as an adult, what happens? You start to work, you start to sacrifice, you start to put in for to be able to get that paycheck to get that money. And so we start to realize what happens. I, I can remember in college. Um, Whenever I was in college, I I stepped out and I was living on my own, doing that whole thing. Mom and Dad was helping me grow up. Thank you, Mom and Dad, uh, for that. Um, And and I'm serious, that's a good thing. Living on my own, you learn a lot about yourself, having to work, having to support yourself, all of those type of things. There was still a safety net there if I needed them, but I tried my best to to be independent. And I could remember, um, uh, there was a pair of shoes that I wanted so bad. So so bad. And like I grew up in the Jordan era. Like if you're a LeBron guy, we'll talk later, but that's that's a different talk for another time. But I'm saying like Jordan is the man. And so th- there was the Jordans that, that I just loved. They were the Concords. They had this sweet black patent leather around them. They were white. They were sharp. And they guaranteed you could play basketball like Jordan, right? I and mean, that's what all the commercials say. And so I wanted them so, so bad. And so they relaunch them. I don't get them because they're super expensive. So I had this idea, I'll just go online and buy it online. We had a thing in our day called eBay. And so I went to eBay and I pull it up and I'm like, 50 bucks. Let those other fools spend all their money. I'm getting some Jordans for 50 bucks. I will invest in that. Yes. Like, buy, put my information in, all that stuff. A couple days later, I get the shoes. I pull them out. They look the same, but when you start to inspect them, they're not Jordans, they're J-Dans. And I'm thinking they missed some letters in between. Nike, what are you doing? That wasn't the case. See, I got what I paid for. I thought that I was getting a good deal. I thought that I was getting something. And they only lasted like two weeks. I mean, they're falling apart. They're coming undone. And so, what was the problem? I wasn't willing to invest. I wasn't willing to pour into. I wasn't willing to, to pay the price for the right ones that would last and sustain and be what they promised to be. So, I got the counterfeit. See, we understand the cost we see it we hear about it but my fear is we haven't settled on paying for it yet we haven't settled on investing what god would say we need to invest so like me with the J dans we've settled for the knockoff brand of discipling i'm afraid i'm afraid that we have settled there's no intentionality with relationship anymore we can't be intentional we might offend we might hurt their feelings we may come across too strong we we, we may be like that there's no commitment we're not committed to people like Christ has called us to be committed to people when when he says to love your neighbor as yourself when was the last time you loved your neighbor like you love you When was the last time you treated your neighbor and I'm not talking about the guy next door maybe I am maybe I'm talking about the guy that 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 works across from you maybe I'm talking about a family member. I don't know who your neighbor can be anybody it's not a physical address neighbor that jesus is talking about he's talking about he's talking about a a neighbor a person that's alive in your life or around you that you come in contact with when was the last time he's committed to them like you are yourself loving them the way you love yourself we live in a world where we're not vulnerable we don't want to show weakness like we're afraid to that why because you'll run our name through the mud because we'll be torn down, because stuff will be blasted about us. We don't want to be vulnerable. Uh, lay ourselves out there and take the chance of being really known. Like, if somebody really knows me, will they love me? Yes, his name is Jesus, and already, he already's done that because he's died for you. So, yes, the ultimate answer is yes. But we're not worried about him or worried about everybody else. So, we're not vulnerable. We're not going to share our weaknesses or our, our setbacks or the things that so easily entangle us. We're not consistent. It, 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 we'll meet. Once every six months, good? We can make some mad disciples once every six months. I mean, that, that's, we, we're not consistent. And so what we're hoping for is by some chance, the results will give us the Jordans instead of the J-dans. That's what we're hoping for. And it's infiltrated the church, the same thing, because we know that there's a great cost in making disciples. We know, we know that there's, there's a lot that goes into it, that there's a ton. And my fear is we just haven't invested like we need to invest. And so we get frustrated and aggravated when it doesn't come out the way we expect it to come out because we've never put the work in that Christ has called us to put the work into it. So maybe something that'll help us over our hurdle, help us get through it, is this morning. I don't want to hide how costly disciple making is, but I want to be brutally honest about it. I want to be brutally honest. I want to show you. Uh, I want to show you the reality of what it means to make a disciple. I want to show you the hard work and the expectation. I wanna walk through some reasons why I believe it's so difficult to invest in and do what Christ has called us to do as the church and what he's called us to be. And so as I was driving around this week and kind of doing like what Eric does, praying a little bit as I'm driving and just thinking about what what God would have me to say this week and as I'm I'm seeking just guidance from him, man, man, it hit me. This is life and death, church. I mean, this is life and death. I mean, there is eternity to gain, There is eternity with Christ to gain. And and you know what, we have the great privilege and honor Jesus has bestowed upon us as believers, as the church, to go make disciples and and do, live out his vision for what he's called us to do and be. He's bestowed that upon us. And so is it gonna be difficult? Absolutely, absolutely. But is it gonna be worth it more than you'll ever know? More than you will ever, ever know. So 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2, we're going to start in verse 1. We've got the apostle Paul here, and he's writing to young Timothy. Timothy is one that he has poured his life into. Timothy is one who has risen up as his disciple. He walked with him. He paid the cost that comes along with discipling. And look at what he says in verse 1. He says, you then, this is, this is Timothy, you then, Timothy, my child. Do you hear that intimate language? child. Paul, this mammoth man of God, calls Timothy, young Timothy, his child. Paul Paul wasn't responsible for Timothy being birthed. Paul did nothing in that process. But look at the intimate language that he uses My child. Why? Because Timothy was Paul's spiritual child. Paul had invested, Paul had walked with, helped him mature in his relationship with Jesus, done the hard work. And so he viewed and he looked at young Timothy as his boy one to be proud of, one to invest in, one to hold accountable, one to speak into his life. All of those things happen. And look at what he says. He says, you be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He reminds his young boy who he's poured into, who he's loved, who's spent time with him, who's journeyed with him on his missionary journey. He reminds him, don't get your eyes off of Jesus. You be strengthened by the grace that is only found in Jesus Christ. Church, that's where we find our strength. That's where we find our perseverance. That's where we find the fuel that's gonna light the fire for us to keep us going when it gets difficult. It's in Christ, it's his grace that he pours out on us. Walk in this reality, walk in the reality of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, what he's invested for us his whole life, so it allows us to do it. And what Paul is doing is just reminding you on Timothy. It comes from Christ, it comes from Jesus. He's the one that allows us. He's the one. It's his grace that's going to strengthen you. Live in him is what he says. He goes on, he says this, and says, so, so you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me. So you're strengthened in the grace that comes from Jesus, and you're strengthened in his testimony, the things that Paul has said. Does this not sound like familiar language? I read a portion of it earlier and didn't get to it, but Matthew 28, 20 says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Paul did it. Paul was doing that. He had lived that out as he tells young Timothy, and, and, and be strengthened by what you've heard from me. Remember, he's, he's poured out, he's, he's taught him, he's he showed him all the things that Christ has commanded. He, he lived it. Paul did what Jesus said. We've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful Men, not just men, but women, anybody in the church, any believer, that's what we're to do. And so what discipleship making does, it involves personal attention and guidance from one maturing believer to an immature believer in the faith. As Timothy come up, Timothy wasn't uh, this man of God like he should have been. He didn't know all the stuff about the Lord. He hadn't grown and matured yet, no. He knew none of that. So what does Paul do? Paul takes him along, Paul brings him along. Do you think it was aggravating? I can only imagine. Do you think it was frustrating at times? You better believe it. But, but look at after he worked through all of that, after he had invested, after he'd been committed, after he'd put in the work, and, and what, what we know is disciple-making. The language that he uses, my child, my child. Our church is far, far worth it. Far worth it. You'll never know what it's like. Never know what it's like. Never know the lasting effects in eternity to be able to raise someone up and walk with them throughout the whole process of, of helping them mature and grow in their faith. Man, what that does for you as a disciple maker, man, the encouragement, the strength, the tenacity that God gives you in that. And so I just wanna say this, everyone in this room is further along than someone else because I know what happens when we talk like this. Okay, pastor, you've, you've been to school, you've been doing this for a while, you've done this, 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 this if I can just speak honestly for a moment, school didn't teach me how to disciple somebody. Uh-uh. I had very little intentionality in my life growing up in the realm of this. I mean, I had great parents, but, but very rarely did they ever pray with me. And we'd go to church sometimes until football came along or until I got some sniffles and the cartoons would be better than I thought the Play-Doh at the church would be. And so I could weasel my way out of that Easy. And then I get into to high school and I've got a best friend who drags me to FCA with him because there's some cool stuff going on in a church of 20 with you and your sister as the youth group. There's not a lot of happening stuff going on there. You know what I'm saying? And so he drags me along to FCA and that becomes my, that becomes my youth group and I start to grow and mature in my faith. And, and, and we had some conversations, but it wasn't intentional conversations whereby he was trying to raise me up and, and walk with me and disciple me. He was just a few years older than me, but, but he was doing something in my life. And then my senior year comes along and I meet my mentor. And he lives in Tennessee, so there's only so much intentionality you can have with that. It's a long-distance discipleship relationship. But when I had questions, when I had uh, things that I needed to know, I had difficulties in my life, who did I call? I called him because he's going to give me godly advice and lead me. So there's very little intentionality. School didn't prepare me for that. If I would have walked across the stage, shook the dean's hand, and be like, all right, tell me how to make a disciple and you can have this diploma, Jesus what does that even mean what does that even mean and so it wasn't until by God's grace he opens my eyes up to some things and I was I, I, I'm just a relational guy like I, I'm I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hugger and I'm just in your space and I'm just I'm just a relational dude that likes to talk and just be in people's lives and and, and it just it, it it's just that's just my makeup so I had a little bit of that going for me already but I didn't have the intentionality like I'm real good surface level as most of us are right How's the game? How's your team? How's the tires on your car? Kick them, make sure. You know, like I'm, I'm good with that. It was the intentionality part that I was missing. And so God opens up my eyes and he allows me to go through some things. He allows me to see some things. And, and, and looking back at my life, it's his grace. He talks about his grace, his grace, his mercy that allowed me to be able to disciple anybody up until about seven, eight years ago when I was allowed to see some of this stuff and walk through some of this stuff with some intentionality. But like I said, what I know in this room is that everybody's further along than someone else. And what you can have is that intentionality piece. You can have that part where you invest, where you take the time and you put in the work. Because church, we need to pour into others while we're being poured into and maturing. We need to be doing that to one another. You'll never disciple further than you are. You'll never be able to disciple further than you are. You reproduce you. That's why it's important to continue to grow and mature and have people speak into your life, have people pour into your life, have people be intentional with you, walk with them. See, discipling is intentionally and relationally investing in the spiritual growth and maturity of someone or someones. And that's what we need to be doing. And that's what we see Paul do with young Timothy or he wouldn't have called him his son. He would have called him his boy. You don't just go around calling everybody that. No, it's those that you invest in. It's those who you walk with. So he says. He says to do that to to um, in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. See, discipleship is about multiplication. That's what it's about. It's about multiplying. And, and what I've learned is the birthing process is difficult. That's what I mean by multiplying. It's where we go from one to two, where we go from two to four, it's where we go from a small group of of, of twelve to now a, a small group of of twenty four. Well, because that twelve splits six and six. Not split. Say birth splits a bad word. We don't want to split. It bursts from six from 12 to 6 and 6. Now what happens? You've got room now to go after the world. You have room now to go after people. You have room now to be intentional. You have room now an opportunity to live this thing out and to continue to do what Christ has called us to do. He's all about multiplication, right? Jesus didn't just stop with the 12. He's like, all right, boys, you got it. I'll see you later. I'm going to heaven. Have fun. Peace. He didn't do that. Now what did he do? He invested and he shows back up and now he tells them, you go do what I did with you. That's what we're to do. But I love these people so much, and oh, if we birth and we don't get to meet each other every week, and I'm now with new people, and new people are weird. I've got to learn them all over. Relationships hard, absolutely. What am I going to do? You don't have to stop being friends with those people that you that you've been birthed with out of another group. You can still talk to them. You can still hang out with them. You can still do all of that stuff. But yes, that means we want to be more vulnerable. I mean, how selfish is it of us if we say, okay, just me, my four, no more. I mean, how crazy is that church? But do you know how many churches get to that place? They get consistent or get complacent in what they're doing and who they are. I mean, it's comfortable. Do you know how manageable and easy it is to be a church of a hundred? It's more difficult the more people you get. Why? Because you've got more opinions. You've got more needs. You've got more stuff going on. You've got all of that stuff. It's so much easier to be smaller. It's so much more manageable as you grow. But what what are we called to do? We're called to reach the world. What do we see Jesus do? He went after the world. He sends his boys out to go after the world. So it's been intentional. It's been relational. It's investing. Who will be able to teach others. It's about multiplication it's training disciples to disciple others who disciple others who dis- it's an ongoing process that's what we do you do it with someone so that someone can go do it with someone else that's the whole point of it whether it's one-on-one whether it's small groups so why is disciple making so hard i'm happy you asked why is disciple making so hard and hear me we could list a ton of reasons but what i want to do is i want to continue to follow out a few verses here in second timothy the first thing is the reason why it's so hard is because there's opposition That's why it's hard, because there is opposition. Look at what he says in verse 3. He says, share in the sufferings as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So what Paul does here is he tries to prepare young Timothy to be ready, to share in the suffering. I mean, who wants to sign up for that? You mean if I disciple there's going to be suffering? Absolutely there's going to be suffering. When was the last time you've done relationship with somebody and you haven't suffered? Well, because people are selfish. You know how that? I know that because I'm selfish. Because everyone in this room is selfish. So we like to make things about us. And when we're selfish, it brings upon hardships. Not to mention, there's tons of other things. So Paul's trying to prepare him, share in that suffering after giving Timothy that charge to make disciples. who makes disciples. I don't know why we're surprised by this. I don't know why we're surprised that when we sign up to walk with someone or to disciple or to, to, to help them grow in their relationship with Christ, why we get so surprised. I know why we're surprised by this. It's because the, the prosperity gospel garbage that we are fed all the time. But that's why. D- the master discipler it goes against that, does he not? This prosperity gospel, if you just believe, if you just do, if you just give, if you just walk with someone, they'll never hurt your feelings, they'll never be mean to you. Always, that's crazy. Why? Because, yeah, we may be saved, but we still are in the flesh, right? And as in the flesh, we have to die to self. We just read it a few minutes ago. If you don't want to take up your cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. What's the cross? The cross is an execution stick whereby we die. So we die to self, we die to self, we die to self. So yes, relationships are hard. Yes, relationships are messy. Yes, there's gonna be suffering and opposition. And what happens is the prosperity gospel just feeds into the opposite of that. You'll have your best life, it'll be great. Everything will be glorious. There'll be little baby angels flying around singing harmonies in the background while you do everything. And that's just garbage. I mean, think about it for a minute. You have the master discipler himself put to death on a cross. What do we know about Paul? Paul is writing this letter from prison. He is chained to a guard writing this letter from prison to his disciple. And what we know is this is that Paul wasn't locked up for just being a disciple, for just having that label or having that name. If he would have just loved Jesus and just kept to himself, been on his best behavior, no one would have ever gone to all the trouble to put him away. My fear is that's the church today. We take the name, we take the label, but we don't do much with it. That's why we're not causing a big rift. Maybe that's why we're not being uh, facing opposition. So he's in prison because he was fruitful to multiply his life by making disciples when you do that opposition will come see what i know this is that enemies of jesus don't usually bother christians who love jesus privately let me say that again enemies of jesus don't usually bother christians or believers who love jesus privately so maybe if there's not opposition in your life or if there's not suffering in your life it's because you're not being vocal You're not being loud enough and I'm not talking about like wearing a bling bling shirt and like hey like out in the corner with the megaphone that's not what I'm talking about I'm just talking about if you'll stand up and you'll live your Christian virtues you'll live by the moral code that Jesus has put out there there's going to be opposition there's going to be things come against you you know you know what I'm talking about we just stand up and say something that we believe then what happens we're haters we hate the church and Jesus hates everybody that's what's said about us no we just we just believe what Jesus has said and if Jesus has created it all and he's died and he's defeated death and he's come back alive I'm going to follow the, the the dude that was dead that come back that's what I'm going to do I'm going to trust what he says not what I say not what you say. who are you what have you done you've never died and come back you've never been able to turn anything from something to something else you can't give the blind their sight I mean who, who do you think you are to set the standards and the and the, and the moral code or have a moral compass with that I'm going to go to the one who's the originator of it. That's where I'm going to land. And the moment you stand up, and we don't have to be loud about it. We could be calm and reserved. And we can say, no, no, I don't agree with that. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Now what's happened? We've become, we've become bigots and haters and zealots. No, I just believe what Jesus has said is the right and best way. Well, what if I just want to be happy? Jesus isn't interested in your happiness. He's interested in your holiness. Now there you go again, being hateful. Jesus is interested in your holiness, not your happiness. Is that better? <laughs> I mean, no. And the way that I want to show you that I'm not being hateful by is because I want to walk with you and love you, even in spite of your sin. I want to walk with you and I want to care for you, even in spite of your lostness. I wanna walk with you and be invested and be committed and do life with you and I wanna show you what Jesus really looks like and I'm sorry for the picture that's been painted about what the church is about or who the church is or who Jesus is because it's obvious you don't really know him that way or you've never been introduced to him or you've never been seen him lived out and so I wanna be for you what you've never seen and I wanna show you what the true Jesus is like. And if you do that and you live that out, there's gonna be opposition, there's gonna be suffering See, when we start to, to live that faith out and be obedient in making disciples that, that causes the lost world to feel conviction, and what's that going to do? It's going to bring about opposition. The second reason why I believe it's so hard to make disciples is, is because of attention. Let, let me explain to you in verse 4, attention. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. See, we live in an age of distraction, and, and I joke about ADD, like I'm just a hyper guy and I'm everywhere and I struggle focusing. We, I mean, we all know that, right? If you know me, you, you know that. I joke about ADD. I've never really taken like an official test, just stuff online, on the internet, you know, and th- that's not really real, right? can't trust everything online. So I don't think I have it. Everybody else does, but I, I don't think I have it. Squirrel, no, um, you know. But, but what do we do? We live in this age of distraction. See, disciple making will never happen if we smartphone and entertain ourselves to death. It'll never happen in that case. See, Satan has a thousand of distractions to divert us from engaging in disciple-making. Thousands of distractions. We're bombarded not just by obvious time wasters, but by good initiatives that will keep us from the commandment of making disciples. Our attention, we've got to be focused. The cost of not getting entangled in civilian pursuits includes staying on mission, staying focused, having our attention drawn to the thing that matters the most. So attention is required in scheduling, the way we schedule out our life, the things that we plan to do. Attention needs to happen at work. We need to be attentive to what God's doing. We need to be aware of what's happening in our surroundings. We we need to be attentive at playtime, whatever playtime looks like for you, whatever you enjoy doing, whatever, uh, maybe it's outside taking a hike or maybe it's uh, uh, playing a game or I don't know what it is, but in playtime we need to be attentive or in whatever relationships that we're investing in we've got to be aware our attention has to be on the mission of what Jesus called us to be and do I think the third reason why it's so difficult to um, to make disciples is this is because we're so worried about pleasing others mm, any people pleasers in the room I, I have struggled with this for the majority, most of my life thank you for your honesty I'm right there I hate telling people no I hate disappointing like I hate But you know what god has taught me that there's no way to follow him and be obedient to him and be obedient and follow everybody else there's no way to do that i can't please everybody because when i please everybody else you know who i'm not pleasing the only one that really matters i mean i've learned that in every relationship in my life every relationship friends kids spouse baby if i follow you and please you every time then jesus is gonna be mad at me no husband wants that So what I've learned is is that's why it's so difficult. Look at what he says this. He says, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. You see what Paul says as he encourages young Timothy? his aim is to please the one who enlisted him our aim is to please the one who enlisted us who is that is jesus jesus is the one who enlisted us so i'm not just making this stuff up he's the one that matters most his opinion his his desires are the ones that matters the most it's not a, anyone who walks through the doors or joins the church or deems himself worthy those aren't the people that we seek to please the most so when we put a budget together or we put a service together, or we put an event together. There's no names in mind. There's none of that. Our aim and our desire, and if you don't believe me, you spend time with these trustees. You spend time with these ministry leaders. What do we do? We seek Jesus, we pray, we ask him to guide us and lead us, we ask him to do those things in our life and our heart. The last thing we wanna do is disappoint him. You guys will get over it we don't want to disappoint him. We want to do what he says to do. We want to be about what he says to be about. And so that's who we're looking to please. So in disciple making, we need to remember our aim is to please Jesus every time, every time. And what that'll do is it'll cost us favor with people. It may cost us friends. It may cost us relationship. It may cost us stuff. Fourth thing I want to look at is why it's so difficult. It's because of perseverance. He says this in verse 5. Think of perseverance. As an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And so what, what I've learned is so, it's so easy for us to try to cut corners by constructing programs and systems that will do what? Mass-produced discipleship. That'll bring about a lot of results without very, pers- very much personal cost involved in it. I mean, is that not the world we live in yet? Yeah, we, we, we don't want to invest much, but we want to get a lot out of it. We don't want to put much into it, or much work, or much effort, but we want to we want to get all the benefits that there is out there to have. We want to make the millions without putting in the energy and effort to, to work it and do it. But hear me, disciples who make disciples can't be mass produced. They can't be mass produced. I um, see it everywhere in this arena Christian Christianity culture that's being created. We're drawn to the big show or event after event. It's one shot of Jesus, and when we start to come down off that high, what do we do? We need another shot of it, so we find another event, or we find another little thing to kind of get us through. That's so unhealthy and shallow, is it not? So unhealthy and shallow. So often, the Christian life is is mundane, day-to-day stuff, and every once in a while, you have that little breakthrough. Every once in a while, you have that little thing that happens where God shows you his glory and his grandeur. And in that, that's a shot just to continue on or he'll give you what you need for that day. A little boost of encouragement, usually through his word, usually maybe through somebody else encouraging or loving on you or saying they're praying for you. So we have to fight against this empty sugar rush Christianity that our culture is trying to feed us. Church, it's work and it is difficult following Jesus and it's even more difficult to pull your life into, to invest into other people. I think another reason why it's so hard is because of energy. I mean, think athlete again here in verse 5 there. Think of athlete. This is one of the greatest and most underrated costs. Energy. Do you know how much energy goes into making a disciple? Do you know how much energy goes into doing relationship with people? There's a lot of energy early morning, maybe late night, intense conversations, emotional uh, drainage that happens. It's much easier to avoid and just watch TV, isn't it? Just to check out when you get home from work and be done with. The disciple-making costs us energy. But hear me, when you have a one-on-one meeting scheduled after a long day or an early morning appointment, maybe after a short night, the disciple-maker joins with Paul and says this, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your soul. That's what Paul says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15. So it's gonna cost us energy. It's going to wear you out. You think, you think raising a little three and a half year old is going to wear you out? Uh uh-uh. That's child's play compared to raising a disciple walking with somebody who needs truth and honesty. Something else that's going to cost us is time. Verse six says this. It, it is it's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. It's going to cost us time. See, of all the costs, time may be the greatest, right? Because time is something that we can never have back. like you get that, right? You can make money, you can lose money, you can uh, make certain things and lose certain things, you can, all of those type of things. But the thing that you will never get back is time. That's the thing that you invest in, that's the thing that you give away, and that's the thing that you'll never, ever get back. You never get more time, never. Not even like, on the, like the, when the, the clock sets back, oh, but we gained an hour, no, you really didn't, you're just catching up from the last time. You never get more time. And so, what disciple making is, it's like the farmer raising crops. Why? Because it's time consuming. It it takes time to plow the field, it takes time to plant, it takes time to water, it takes time to fertilize. And then it takes time to do what? To harvest what you planted. Same thing goes for disciple making it's not one meeting, but it's often a year's worth of regular meetings. It's not one conversation, but sometimes difficult conversation after difficult conversation, which requires grace, which requires mercy, which requires patience. So as with farming, we don't see the process all at once. It's over a course of months. It's over time. And it's amazing amazing what can happen in a harvest, is it not? If you do the work, if you invest the time. So to close this morning, as the band comes back up, just hear me in the end disciple making is costly because it demands continuous giving it, it, it demands giving of time it demands giving of energy it demands giving of attention it demands giving of taking initiative it, it, it demands giving of of sacrifices of facing opposition of losing privacy losing tears disciple making means not just sharing the gospel but sharing your own self Pulling back the curtain of your life, asking somebody to journey with you, to walk with you for the sole purpose of raising them up in Christ. And when you do that, you show them the good, bad, the ugly, you show them everything. You lay yourself bare, you become vulnerable, you become real, you share who you are. And isn't that costly? Very, very costly. What, what disciple making means is this, is You give. You give some more. Guess what I'm going to do today? I'm going to give. I'm going to give my life. I'm going to give my energy. I'm going to give all of these things that we've talked about this morning. But I guess did not the great disciple maker do that himself? Did he not himself say it is more blessed to give than receive? Acts 20, 35. See, it's the heart of his disciple makers. It's learning to say As disciple makers, it's learning to say that it makes me happier for you to have my time, my energy, my attention, than to keep it and hoard it for myself. Why is that? Because there's something greater at stake than me just enjoying 10 minutes on the couch. There's something far greater at stake than me just enjoying a good meal by myself or me just going out and doing something alone or me just even uh, having to sacrifice family time. There's something greater than that. Yes, I want to do it in my family. But I'm called to give more. I'm called to go more. I'm called to do more. And it's going to be well worth it. So my question for you is this. Will you say that the cost is worth it? So much so that you'll invest in someone else. And so maybe for some of us in this room, it's personally, it's one-on-one. I said, hey, can we, I just need somebody to hold me accountable and somebody to love me and to walk with me and somebody that won't judge me and somebody that'll care for me. Somebody that'll ask me those difficult questions. Hey, dude, how you doing looking at what you look at? How you doing thinking about what you think about? How you doing loving your wife like Christ loves the church? How you doing with your finances? How you do, you mean you can ask them? Absolutely, you ask them those questions. We ask about everything else, don't we? And if we're gonna do this thing, let's do it. Let's don't beat around the bush. I don't need a little buddy to just, just waste time with it. If, if we're going to go with this thing, let's go with this thing. If we're going to, let's be serious about it. So I want to ask those questions. I want to get all up in your junk, but I want you to get off up in my junk. And I want to show you my, I want to, I just want to share all of that stuff. Because we'll never get anywhere just being surface level. Maybe for some of us in this room, it's personally going to someone and saying, hey, yeah, just like last week when I heard the story, can I get your number? And I would love to just get together with you. Uh, okay. I mean, I'm, I mean, thank you. I mean, how freaky is that? you know what they're coming for and for them to be that brazen to come after you to to say hey i'm going to take a chance in loving this guy that much so maybe for some of us that's what it's going to look like here in this moment or maybe for some of us it's going to be joining a small group joining a discipleship development group whereby we live this out and we do this in a small group setting for the sole purpose of what multiplying and doing it again growing even larger. You want to grow bigger, you got to grow smaller. You want to reach more, you reach less first. And as you reach less and you raise them up and walk with them and train them and do all of the things that we're called to do as disciples then you release. That's the beautiful process of this. So maybe for some in this room I say, you know what? I, I need to get in a group. I need to get invested. I need to be a part. Or maybe, maybe for some in this room the way that it'll play out is this is a ministry. See how I did that? I just worked that little ministry fair into it. So maybe instead of jetting out of here, maybe for the next 30, 45 minutes, you'll say, you know what? I'm going to go back. I'm going to check out. I'm going to see what's going on in this church. I'm going to see where I can invest. And you know me. I'm always up here pleading for the kids. Well, because I believe in them. I believe if we don't raise them up, if we don't train them and walk with them and love on them and share Jesus with them, you know who's going to not do that? The world. And the world's going to get them. So if we've got them, we've got the opportunity, why not give them? Why not share Jesus with them? Why not invest in them? So this is a great opportunity to sign up for ministries like that, for youth, for, for to do those type of things. I don't know what God's pressed upon your heart all I know is this trust me church it's difficult it's messy it's aggravating it's frustrating but you will get no greater joy than when you see your child your spiritual child that you've invested into that you've poured into that you've prayed with that you've cried with that you've fussed and fought with and that you have rejoiced with when you see them take one step closer to Jesus what God allows to happen in your heart oh I mean you're ready to storm hell with a water pistol type stuff it is that good, it is that great. So I beg of you, I plead with you, count the cost. Don't buy the j buy the Jordans and invest and go all in and give your life away. Jesus, help us in this moment. God, press upon us, challenge us. Challenge us, God, stir our hearts. Jesus, we need you, we love you. God, help us be serious. Help us do the difficult work that it's gonna take to make disciples. And we pray amen you guys stand eric's gonna lead us the band's gonna lead us if you um if you need to come pray maybe you need to go uh lovingly get in somebody's uh, space for a moment say can i get your number i don't know what it's going to look like i don't know what this means for you but you be obedient to what jesus calls you to do in this moment